0: So we'll continue our study in um, a core seminar, which was produced by Capitol Hill. Um, They put out really good stuff. But it's a core seminar. It's a series that focuses on living as a church. Uh, How should we understand our life together as Christians in the local church? And we've been moving through our study. And this morning, we come to class four, which focuses in on preaching and prayer preaching and prayer. So the life of our church should be evidently supernatural. That is, when people look in on our church, they should see us and in in our church and fellowship a breadth and depth of community and relationships and and other things. And they should see something, we hope at least, that's uh, beyond what can naturally be explained, beyond what happens naturally in relationships. So God has revealed his normal means for doing just those things, those supernatural things. In particular, this morning we want to look at God's supernatural means of building the church together through prayer and preaching. So preaching is one normal means of supernatural grace. We think about Romans 12, 17, which says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So preaching is an ordinary means by which God gives his supernatural gifts of faith to his people. They hear and receive by God's grace. Right? Ephesians 2 tells us this is not your own doing, but it's a gift from God, this faith that you have. And this comes through the preached word. The other means of grace we want to look at this morning is prayer. So Jesus told us in John 14 that, whatsoever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So another way that we can see uh, what God does through his supernatural work in churches is through prayer. Knowing that God answers according to his wisdom, Um, according to his kindness, and as we pray, we grow in a uh, love for each other, which we'll talk about. We grow in a knowledge and a love for our triune God, and we get the opportunity to um, not only pray, but confess, to cast petitions, because the Lord hears and answers um, all these things for his glory and our good. So for the rest of our time together this morning, I wanna look at these two, prayer and preaching. How can we be part of a community in this church through this supernatural work through prayer and preaching? And primarily as we hear God's word and as we pray, how do we start to um, recognize and come into uh, further conformity to the image of Christ as we give ourselves to the preach word each Lord's Day and to the prayers of the saints. So first, preaching. Preaching matters, right? Preaching is uh, a, a means that the Lord has given to the local church, right? So we, we preach the word, we pray the word, we sing the word, uh, we uh, eat the word and the gospel as we take the lord's supper and we experience um the uh the gospel again as we take the lord's supper as we grab on by faith Um, but the preached word is um very important and it matters the fact that preaching is god's means to accomplish this supernatural work shouldn't surprise us god has always created his people by his word in the beginning god created all things by the power of his word he created a people of Israel by the word of his law on Mount Sinai. God brings life to his word, for example, in Ezekiel's vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. In Ezekiel 37, let me have someone read this for us, if you can see it. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. So I pros- prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Okay. So if you can imagine a man speaking to dead bodies, and the dead bodies come to life, um, this is a picture of how the word uh, is effective upon the hearts of men, that they come to life. God's word spoken by Ezekiel is what brings his people to life, which is exactly what we see in the New Testament. Uh, God's word made flesh taught God's people. And it's Peter's preaching of the gospel in Acts 2 that first ignites the church and the apostles' faithful teaching that sustains it. So the word is essential to the church, the preached word. God's word is central to the identity of his people as well. Christianity is not primarily about spiritual experiences, about sort of warm community, although those are true and good things. Um, It's not primarily about acts of service either. Um, There were some that would say that um, how we serve a community is what undergirds and um, establishes us as a church. They would see that as the foundation and the root system of the church. Um, Those are good things. We ought to serve each other in the community but that's not the root system of the church. Um, It's first and foremost a message that can be supported and based on historical fact. The root system of the church is the gospel, which is first and foremost a message supported by historical fact. 1 Corinthians 15, 4 to 5 says, this is the, the confession of the church, the confession of the church before there was a 1689 or 1644, or any other confession, That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. So this is the good news, the gospel. And preaching that message is the source of our life as a church and eternal life for us as individuals, right? The confession of the church that he was buried, and that he was raised in accordance with the scriptures. OK, let's think about, in this topic of preaching, expositional preaching, expositional preaching. So you can have preaching and see nothing supernatural about it. Not all preaching is faithful preaching, believe it or not. And not all people are faithful listeners. Just think of all the people who listened to Jesus himself and then went away unchanged, unmoved, uh, with no regard for the Messiah or his word. So first I wanna talk about what kind of preaching should be seen as normal and what happens when that preaching intersects with a community of believers, a community of God's people. So what kind of preaching will supernaturally create God's people out of nothing? Well, it's preaching that is expositional. Preaching that is expositional. Preaching that exposes a passage of scripture to us. So when we say that a sermon is expositional or expository, we mean that it's designed to explain a particular passage of scripture so that the main point of the sermon is the main point of the passage. Right. The main point of the sermon is the main point of the passage because we're expositing; we're drawing out what's in the text. Now, the alternative is what people call topical preaching, where the preacher determines the primary point that he wants to communicate in the sermon, and he may or may not use a main passage of scripture to support that point. Now, uh, topical preaching in and of itself is not bad or evil, we have topical sermons here at FBC. Um, anytime another elder preaches, whether it's Pastor Rick, Pastor Will, or myself, it's usually a topical sermon. Although we do aim to exposit the text and draw what's there, it's usually a one-off sermon. So it's topical in that sense. But we recognize that a preaching schedule that is predominantly expositional will grow a congregation better with more lasting results. And why is that? Because as a preacher preaches expositionally, moving through successive passage week from week from week, the congregation better understands scripture and its overall context. right? So as Pastor Ron is preaching through Psalm 119, we're going to be in Psalm 119 for over half the year. But we'll get to work verse by verse through this psalm to get the whole counsel of God, at least from this sermon, and as we teach other passages of scripture. But we get to see scripture in an overall context as we work even through Psalm 119. So let me elaborate on this by giving three specific advantages to expositional preaching. One, when a pastor preaches through a series of passages, Basing each sermon on the point of the passage of scripture rather than on a topic, God's word sets the agenda for the sermon. So God's word, as opposed to the man, sets the agenda for the sermon. Uh, Practically, expositional preaching focuses a preacher or forces a preacher to preach the whole counsel of God. It forces him even to address verses that he may be uncomfortable with or that may challenge his sort of theological viewpoint. Um, And it forces him to preach the whole council. And some areas he may come across may not fit neatly into his theological system. But as we want to faithfully proclaim God's word, we adjust, not the scripture. right? So as as we're thinking through scripture and we're preaching through the word, we come to uh, a, a boulder of revelation in scripture that seems to stand in the way of how we thought we should understand a certain point. We don't, uh, the boulder doesn't get pushed out of the way so that we can keep on all paths. Uh, we move around it and scripture informs our thinking. And so we may need to consider other categories or uh, be challenged in our own interpretation of scripture, which is a good thing. That's part of our sanctification. Uh, second point, expositional preaching is a better way of teaching the Bible. When a pastor preaches a passage of scripture in context, taking the point of the passage as the point of the message, he and the congregation often hear from God things that they did not know when the pastor began to study the passage. And we experience that as, we are, uh, as Pastor Ron is preaching through these series. We come out on the other side of this series like, man, I learned a lot. There are some things I hadn't seen there before. Or maybe I had seen them, but he sort of brought on a different aspect of it. I saw the diamond from another angle. Uh, that happens as we preach through the word verse by verse. A third point, expositional preaching teaches a congregation how to read and study the Bible for themselves. So when the sermon week after week teaches the congregation to be faithful explainers and appliers of God's word, the Bible will seep into every aspect of life together. And so as we hear the word preached, we are hopefully not just hearing the word but being doers and it's seeping into how we understand and interact with family and friends and coworkers and each other here at the local church. And it teaches us how to listen. You get a, um, a sharper ear for preaching and what ought to be expositive as you listen to expository preaching, I think. I know for me personally, coming from just my own church background, it was a very different um, style of preaching. Uh, It was uh, driven by the pastor and sort of what he wanted to bring out. um, And it was very entertaining, but I got restless with even the entertaining preaching. And when I came to a church that was preaching expositionally, uh, be honest, the first week I came, I fell asleep because it was very new to me. And I sat on like the second row for some reason and <laughs> fell asleep. But it was, it was different. It was new. And what was happening, I think, to my uh, theological palate, it was being cleansed and sharpened so that my appetite for the word grew. Right. So now I can't imagine sitting for an hour and a half under just entertaining preaching I would pass out then you know so I'm glad to be at a church where the word is preached faithfully this really is it's, it's a privilege to be at a church that preaches the word faithfully that exposits scripture uh, we're not the only faithful church but we should be thankful for the church that we are at okay so uh, if we stop there and thinking about expositional preaching we still haven't traced out all that preaching does in a church Because preaching isn't just exposition of God's word, it is God's word for his people. So what happens when God's word intersects with God's people? We'll consider three things under this. What happens when God's word intersects with God's people? First, application. Most obviously, we apply God's word there is a certain responsibility that rests on our shoulders as we are uh, privileged, those who are privileged to hear gospel-centered preaching week after week. James 1, 22 to 24. Let me have someone read this for us. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Where he looks at himself and goes away that once forgets what he's like. So when we want to uh, be applying the word, it's clear from James 1 here that we're not just hearing, we're not just receiving, it's not just uh, filling sort of intellectual uh, banks in our mind, but it's also um, living in light of what we've heard what we've read which happens again by the spirit but there should be a doing associated with this so here's a question for us to think about what are some things that we can do to help us to better apply the preached word each week so as we as we think about preaching right um, we come week after week hear the preach word uh, which is think faithful preaching but we want to not just hear it and leave it on the pew as we leave how can we help each other to better apply the preached words? This is just sort of, I'm throwing it out there for a couple minutes of of conversation. I think having discussions about it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. great point. So talking through it, we'll, we'll talk about that too. Talking about what was preached, asking each other questions. What's something that stood out to you? Here's what stood out to me, right? So generating conversation that way. Let's go Kyle and then Will and then Orlando. A Kyle, Will, and Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, trying to write applications during the hmm. sermon. So yeah. It's one thing I, I, I try to do. If I'm hearing something, and it's just the Lord's bringing something to light, something about Himself. Right. About right. Myself, That's a good point. And just write it. You know, as I'm taking notes, like Lord. Lead, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and just, you know, grow my understanding of this, yeah. help me to confess this, or help me to walk this way, or, yeah, that, that, that's helped me, you know, to just, you know, make those applications then, right. and, that's great, because thing. it can become a point of prayer later, mm-hmm. as you write those things down, yeah, that's good, Will? Um, remembering throughout the week, uh, just forgetting on Sunday what the sermon was about, yeah. thinking, what was the term about on Sunday? Like this is the <laughs> basic step of remembering. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's very important. Uh, reading the passage, yeah, before, before, before and even after. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, um, yeah. yep. So getting familiar with the passage so that when we come in, it's not necessarily new to us, but we've been thinking about it, meditating on it. Yep. Um, as you're like going through what it was being said, maybe even let that shape the way you pray. Hmm. So let your prayer kind of be shaped by it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So thinking through the sermon, thinking through the text, and even as you pray, maybe having the text having the text open and praying and letting it shape your prayer in that way. That's good. That's good. Norm? Uh, while we listen to um, humbly um, receive the word with fear and trembling, knowing that we we wander very Some of the passages that we hear, we've read them before or heard heard them before, but if we come humbly and saying, Lord, I am prone to wander on sheep, I you know, there's no sheep in a circus because they can't be trained. Yeah. Sheep. yeah. So help me uh, today as I hear that this word will um, germinate in me a character trait of Christ. Yeah. So having a humble disposition. Yeah, something has to inform us about how to think, how to feel, um, how to reason rightly. Yeah, that's good. So we can read through uh, the passage in our quiet time. I think somebody mentioned something like that. We can pray for the preachers as well. That's something too. Um, As you pray uh, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, pray for the preacher. Pray that God would cause his word to be effective because there's an element to preaching that uh if god doesn't affect it or cause it to be effective it it it, it won't have its work there's a supernatural element to preaching right we're not just orators mm-hmm. right so something special is happening when we preach so as we are men of dust as mentioned, pray for the preacher pray that the lord would fill him afresh with the spirit um that he will proclaim the word boldly. And then somebody also mentioned taking notes, which is a good point as well. Uh, but even beyond those things, we should think about sermon application as a corporate goal instead of merely an individual goal. It's a corporate goal. So a good question to consider. Are you working in a faithful, humble way to help apply the truth you receive? to the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ. So we also think about it in relation to ourselves, but also because we're a body, we're thinking about it it in relation to um, each other. Uh, Do they know your life well enough, and do you know theirs so that you can help them apply a sermon in ways that they may not have thought of? All right, so a few ideas here. One, talk after service, Catherine's point talk after service, over lunch, about the sermon. We asking each other questions. Uh, another thing we can do is flesh out application points in our flock groups as we think through flock, maybe after the sermon is preached. Um, write down some things that stuck out to you, and then in flock group, share them. Right? So encourage one another in that way so that uh, we have, again, a corporate sanctification going on. Right? We want to have those things in mind. Um, bring up the sermon and d- different things in your discipleship relationships. As we get with one another, uh, be talking about the preached word. And in family devotions. Um, so we were, um, Pastor Ron sent out uh, the uh, song this week that we'll be singing. So uh, the portion of the psalm from Seabed. And it gave us an opportunity to listen to the uh, tune, to uh, read the words of the psalm again. All of that is, it's it's building up unto the Lord's day when we sing together. But at home, it gives us the opportunity to be meditating on the psalm, to be reading the psalm, to be praying through the psalm. So all these things are good for our family devotion. If you're thinking through family devotion, and you're thinking, well, this is not you know, a common practice for us. It's, I really don't know where to start. Where do I go? Go to wherever the text is we'll be in for that week. right? So whatever Pastor Ron's preaching on, go to that text read through it, pray through it with your family, right? That's a good way to start a pattern of, of um, thinking on the word with your family throughout the week. Um, rather than trying to remember pages of notes from each sermon, pick one or two things, which I think someone over here said, pick one or two things each week that you can prayerfully apply to your life and talk with some others about those things. God gives us a feast each week, and it's good for us to consider how the Spirit might be using it to change and sanctify us. So, that's point one, the application as we think about what happens when the word intersects with God's community. Point two, contextualization. Contextualization. The word is applied to the particular needs of our congregation, to our shortcomings, to the way that God has been moving among us with our particular demographics in mind. Because we're in a context when the word is preached, if we're striving to apply it, it usually works itself out naturally in whatever context we're in. And then there are other times where we need to be more thoughtful and more direct with applying the word to our congregation and its people. Um, Usually when I think about contextualization, Because I'm thinking in certain categories, I say, contextualization, what do you mean by that? We don't have to contextualize the scripture. Um, But but that's not what I'm saying. Here, I'm saying that as we live life together as a church, naturally, because we're in in relationships with, with one another and thinking through the word together, the word, Lord willing, is working itself out in our relationships, in our context. right? And there are other times where we have to think through, OK, where is this challenging us in our context? Where is this um, causing us to consider some other things that we hadn't considered? Um, where uh, where might, might there be sin in my own heart and some of my relationships in, in the local church as, this, as the word is preached and as we think through it um, in our context? So that's another aspect of that. Point three under this point is authority. Preaching in a church should explain um, and interpret and apply scripture. Preaching in a church should explain, interpret, and apply scripture. So in the ultimate sense, its authority rests on scripture. But we know that as sinful humans, we can err in explaining and interpreting and applying God's inerrant word. (coughs) In other words, even your favorite preacher has some blind spots. his theology. The Bible is infallible, not the man. Acts seventeen eleven. Luke says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, uh, Paul is commending these men for their um, searching out the scriptures, but what this doesn't mean is that we have a license to unwisely and uncharitably stop the preacher during his sermon to call him a heretic. (laughs) That would be unwise and unhelpful. This means that we should be good expository (laughs) listeners. Listen to the Bible preached or taught with your Bible open, not with a critical spirit of someone looking for anything that he can fight over or fight about. We don't want to have that disposition. If you happen to have a question, use wisdom. Be humble and consider that you may have misunderstood the preacher or misinterpreted the word, but in those times where you, where your conscience uh, does convict you that what's been taught is not consistent with the overall scope or message of scripture, then Charles Spurgeon gives good advice on this. He says, if you find yourself drawn into controversy, use very hard arguments and very soft words. He says men are often won over um, not by uh, zeal and passion and argumentation, but by a man's humble disposition. Um, Others usually find him easier to listen to and easier to converse with. Lectures to My students. that's an excellent book if you haven't read it. That's where that's drawn from. So we can put, So we can be part of a supernatural community of the local church through preaching as we listen to good preaching, apply that preaching to ourselves and others, and support good preaching. But it also happens through prayer, which is where we'll turn for the rest of our time. So preaching and now prayer. Uh, I want us to use the rest of this time as uh, to think about prayer, but we'll think somewhat narrowly about praying as it pertains to the local church. Now, I think we all understand that prayer is important, but when we think about prayer, the first thing that comes to mind, at least for most of us, is private prayer, right? We think about private prayer probably naturally, more naturally than corporate prayer. But the Bible, it's also very clear that Christians are called to pray together. So if you think of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6, let's see what he's uh, saying here. What is Matthew 6, 9 to 13. He says, Our Father, no- notice this language here, uh, this corporate language. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we concluded our last Sunday school class semester by teaching on the Lord's Prayer. And if you'd like to check it out, it's online. When Jesus gave us this model for prayer, he put it in a form that commends it Even more for our use together as a body and for corporate prayer. One of the primary ways uh, uh, that we pray as a church is when we gather together on the Lord's Day. So let's start with why congregational uh, prayer is so important. Why is congregational prayer so important? First, God uses our prayer together to advance His kingdom he uses our prayer together to advance his kingdom. We pray together because simply we we need to, uh, we're commanded to. We pray out of need because we need God to act. Just like we pray, uh, just like we see in the book of Acts. Uh, There, the early church had a member, or had a number of obstacles to overcome, including persecution. Still, it continued to expand. So several times we see that when the early church faced persecution, it gathered together to pray. So in Acts 4, we read that Peter and John were released from jail and the church gathered to hear their report. Now, you would think that uh, they, the, as their leaders, so to speak, are in prison, that they would just you know, pray themselves and feel that it was sufficient. Uh, instead of gathering together and risking their lives to to pray. But corporate prayer was so important to them that the believers gathered together, even at the risk of their lives, to pray together, praising God for his sovereignty and asking for boldness in the face of threats. So Luke tells us in Acts 4.31, let me have someone read this for us. The place in which they were gathered together was taken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit <clears throat> and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay, so this instance is unique, but it's not necessarily uh, particular um, to the early church. Maybe not in the exact same way, but throughout history, we've seen God's work to be especially active when his people have joined together to pray second point to consider under this, God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. As we've seen in past classes, unity among God's people glorifies God. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul calls on the entire church to keep or maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace praying together is one way that we obey this command by visibly uniting together as God's people to pray. So two things stand out as we think about that, uh, this unity that we demonstrate as we seek God together. Two things to, to note here. One, uh, prayer together is a means of God's grace in which we grow spiritually as we hear others commit to pray. And two, Corporate prayer also can serve as a powerful witness to non-Christians who see the love and commitment of Christians or that Christians have for one another in their prayers, right? So we're not just um, self-seeking, but we're thinking about God, focused on God, his word, and how we can pray for each other in light of that, right? So casting petitions for each other in Christ. All right, so the third point, underneath our consideration of prayer, so we've gone from preaching to prayer, is that corporate prayer unites us. Not only does corporate prayer display unity, it helps to maintain the unity. When we pray together, we are, in some ways, leaving behind our own isolated desires and focusing on God and others. So, for example, on Sunday morning during our prayer meeting, we pray for each other in various ways. We thank God for his grace in people's lives. We pray for our, um, others' physical needs. We pray for their spiritual well-being. We pray for other ministries, other churches in the area. Both praying for others and hearing others pray for us naturally draws us closer together. As we consider how we can pray for one another, you get into a conversation with someone, and uh, you think later on, as you're home, you know, man, I had this conversation with this person. They really seem burdened by this. Let me pray for them. It keeps that person on your mind. It brings them to mind, and hopefully, we're doing that for each other, right? And even being more intentional and in saying, you know, hey, I want to pray for you tonight. How can I pray for you and your family? Um, or maybe keeping a list of families that you're praying for throughout the week. That can be helpful too. So uh, this is an area that we all, even myself and my family, we can do better at, thinking about how we can pray for other people in the congregation. And in that way, our unity is strengthened and it's built up. Yes, One of the things that Ron does, that I think it's a really cool idea, is you have know, the pictures from the Christmas flowers where people send ah. those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's great, yeah, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. So, one idea of how we can support that, if you consider if there are prayer requests or testimonies of God's graces that you could share with others uh, that could draw us together and help us as a body to marvel at God's mercy, if you think of corporate prayer for you as a service to the congregation, For some of us, that might feel strange because we're naturally um, private people and we don't really feel comfortable uh, sharing our burdens because we feel like, well, if I tell this person this, it's going to be a burden for them. You know, they seem really happy, they just, you know, skipped in a service and I've had a terrible week and I share my week with them and then, you know, I sort of bring them down. Um, But I don't think that's how we should think about prayer. And that's not how the Bible talks about prayer. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 11, as he shares about a particularly difficult situation. So turn there and we'll just read it together. uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 through 11. So if you're there and you wouldn't mind reading for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. Read it nice and loud so everyone can hear. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we, was, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we thought that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who to make us... who Raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and you will deliver us on him whom we have set our hope, that we will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Amen. Now, what if Paul had decided that his problems weren't worth bothering the church? Right. We should thank God that he didn't. He didn't do that but that we have this recorded in scripture, which is for our encouragement as well, right? So think about how you can share your needs with others so that we can be drawn together as believers and encouraged by God's mercy and his work. So are you struggling in your faith? Are you struggling at work? Are you struggling in your marriage? Um, and maintaining certain relationships are you struggling with evangelism are you struggling with the desire to read the word allow others to bring you before our lord in prayer because it is i think a privilege for them i think they would be encouraged to hear um to see and we it's funny because we just in the faith we all know that we individually are sinners but we forget that the person next to us is as well so we look at ourselves and we're like man you know, oh my soul, I'm so downcast. And then we think the person next to us is like dropped down from heaven and is, you know, levitating through the Lord's day. <laughs> like, as much as you are, you know yourself, you know, that your sin sinner. the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you, that is uncommon to man. We have a shared um, struggle with sin and we're all being sanctified. So we don't have to be so ashamed to share prayer requests. Use wisdom, you know, find uh, people, you know, have, as we all have our different relationships and those relationships, you know, are different in their different ways. Um, There may be someone that you're closer to that you feel comfortable sharing this, you know, someone else that you feel comfortable sharing that, that's okay, right, it's not a competition, but the point is to have somebody that you can share with, that can pray for you, that you can sort of let into, you know, some of the rooms of the house of your heart, walk them around a little bit, you know, show them how they can pray for you, right? That's, that's a good thing, good thing too, it's, it's encouraging. Okay, so let's move on to the uh, fourth point here. Corporate prayer teaches us how to pray. Historically, in uh, Protestant Reformed churches, corporate prayer followed the path of the gospel. looked at god's holiness our sin christ's work on the cross and our response and our corporate prayer together follows the acts model adoration confession thanksgiving supplication although not always in that order and why is that why is that a good model because as we pray together we also teach ourselves how to pray so this is what i mean it's a good discipline to just focus on praising God. So our prayers of praise teach us what it means to just focus our gaze on the beauty of God and delight in Him. Confession is also a good discipline. Um, It may be uncomfortable, but it causes us to um, not so quickly shift, but to sit and think about and think through how God uh, can be changing us. When we do that, we lose the opportunity or if we shift too fast from um, adoration and sort of past confession, um, we lose the opportunity to explore our own hearts and knowledge um, and acknowledge what's maybe there. You know, we sort of, we get to feel around a little bit um, and to consider before the Lord where we have sinned and where we have offended his holiness. And so confession and prayer is good, even corporately. Having um, an extended time to just confess sin makes the assurance of pardon that we read from the Bible and the responding songs that we sing that much more joyful. And we can learn from the prayers of petition and thanksgiving as well. Um, All of these elements of prayer are important. In the prayer of petition, for example, um, one of the elders may pray um, for much more than just our needs, which is where we're tempted to focus, He prays for government. He may pray for the persecuted church. He may pray for missions, maybe for evangelism, um, for our church as a whole. And he might finish uh, by uh, praying through the points in his sermon. If you follow carefully as we're led in prayer, teaching is actually happening. It's informing and sanctifying. And I hope that it does begin to improve how we think about our own prayer life. Our corporate prayer is prayer and it's also teaching prayer okay the second point uh, praying for our church uh, before we end our time together let me give a few thoughts on how we can pray daily for our church uh, and my hope is that these things will become part of our daily routine uh, we'll start to see lord willing the lord working maybe some ways that we haven't seen before so one Pray for the preacher. I mentioned this before. I'll say it again. Pray for the preacher. Think of Paul writing to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, um, pray also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Right? So, If the Apostle Paul needed prayer to speak, so do we. (laughs) Um, What what are some other ways that we can pray for our pastor? Think through that as well. Two, uh, pray through the directory. Uh, Sabrina brought up a good point that Pastor Ron's sister does with the uh, Christmas cards. We can pray through the directory. Um, Our directory is, um, I think the, the last directory we've had has been, I don't know, how many years since we've had that? been a while it's been a few years um we we do have a directory um we had a directory but we also have a um i think janica just sent out a list of families with names um, and for some who wanted their email address as well that's something you can pray through um, and work through each of those just like paul prayed for the roman uh, christians he never met praying daily for people that we even maybe don't know or have a particular connection to uh, just because they're members of a church is a God-honoring thing so as you look look through that sheet which is our sort of form of directory uh, without the pictures you can I'm pretty sure there are names on them that you don't recognize but you can still pray for them and get familiar with the people in our church um, I know we pray for many things um, but it's good for us to pray for one another And that also, I think, builds unity as we get to talk to one another. You talk to a family and you forgot their name, because that happens, and they say their name, and you're like, oh, yeah, I just prayed for you, you know, two days ago. I I could put a face to a name now. That's another way that we can get to learn each other and pray for each other. And then praying for our church as a whole. Our church culture is the habits, expectations, and behaviors that come to characterize us as a church Pray that we would make our relationships transparent with each other, that we would see hospitality as an important part of our Christian life together. I was just listened to a, um, Kevin DeYoung's Crazy Busy. And in that book, he um, talks about how the church is, or not the church, but hospitality, your home is a hospital where people come, um, maybe feeling downcast or feeling discouraged, and hopefully they leave helped and encouraged so that was a really good picture he painted there i thought but um, praying for the church as a whole that we see uh, the church as a group of redeemed sinners uh, corporately being sanctified not just individually but corporately Uh, praying for our wholeness our sanctification our purity our families our humility our boldness our maturity our knowledge of the triune god Uh, praying for our church and its families so as we uh, come to a close on this, I want us to, just for a couple of minutes, um, draw out some other ways that we can pray for our church as a whole. Let's spend the last couple of minutes, maybe write down one or two ways that you can pray for our church as a whole. If you're feeling ambitious, write down three. But just take some time to maybe write down a few things that you can pray for our church as a whole. Think about the people, think about our church, think about where we are, think about where we're going, think about um, just FBC in, in particular, and maybe write down some things that you can pray for this evening or this week for our church. So just take a couple minutes to do that. writing, you were mentioned the on teaching, learning to pray, mm. as you, uh, it one of the greatest educations in a former church, every so often we'd be in small groups praying, and there was an elderly saint, <coughs> and I wanted to find where he's sitting, because sitting, mm. listening to Brother Fred pray, Yeah. was, it was like on the front, front porch of heaven, <laughs> that they had, there was confidence, there was joy. Authority and it's full of scripture. And, and I, I saw an elderly saint physically failing, but, but I strained. Mm. Yeah, that's encouraging. Um, so, you want to learn to pray, get, get under, the, under the fruitful tree of an older saint. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Amen. So, as we conclude here, how do we expect the supernatural to be at work within our church? We attend to the ordinary means of grace and celebrate the regular preaching of God's word, and we pray, and those are the ways that God naturally does what is supernatural, through his normal means of grace. Preach word week in, week out, prayers, and even as we will go in and sing together, right, and take the Lord's supper together. Uh, These are God's normal means of doing something Supernatural with very ordinary people in an ordinary place. Um, it's the means of grace. So let me close with that. <clears throat> uh, take your list home, and maybe this week you'll get the opportunity to pray through those, to consider them and pray through them, for God's glory and our good together. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for your kindness to your people. We thank you that you have given us your word. You've given us the spirit. You've given us a helps in each other and our common walk as pilgrims and aliens in this world um, we pray that you would help us to attend well to the preached word that we would give ear to the word that as we go into the service from the uh, opening scripture reading to the benediction we would give ourselves to this time this set apart time to worship you uh, our triune God together with the saints um, and may you sanctify us through it and may you do these things and accomplish this work for your glory for our comfort for our unity for our perseverance for our hope and we pray these things in Christ's name amen welcome